Adulting.ca. That's A D U L T B R A I N.ca. If Maria supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's <Yeah. laughs> different levels there are different layers of meaning some dreams are you know what i dreamt about pizza last night and up oh, lo and behold i had pizza for dinner okay that's why i dreamt about pizza five okay guys welcome back to the america show coming at you on the labor day long weekend monday uh we are going to be talking to linda schiller a little bit later about her dream analysis stuff may or may not analyze one of my childhood dreams and actually a recent dream too. I forgot all about that. The dead dog dream. Um, yeah. So it was a good yeah, chat. We're going to get into yeah, that a little bit later. We have the book to- was uh, PTS dreams transform your nightmares from trauma through healing dream work. All right. Well, I wouldn't classify my dream as a nightmare. The dead dog was a recent one for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just had it like the week before. Or two weeks before. Yeah, which is weird because you don't really remember dreams usually. Yeah. And you know what it was? It was one of those where I'd like woken up early on a weekend and. Uh, oh, you went back to bed? I was like, I don't want to. tried that before back to bed method. Well, I didn't nothing. try it. I was just like, it was, I got up, it was like six. And I was like, nope, I'm not getting up at six today. So um, yeah, I went back to bed and then well, I remember having the stream. Speaking of dreams. And sleep? Did that? Did your mushroom trip that we talked about last week? How's how's your sleeping been since then? Oh, great, great! Has like it, a has baby. It stayed? Really? Yes. And you're still off the table sugar for your uh, your coffee? Yes. Wow, that's good. I'll never. So that kind of. I feel like those mushrooms kind of kickstarted your your like sleep pattern back to normal. They seem to have. I've been sleeping wow. just fine. I mean, not enough sleep. Lately, right? Yeah, but that's not because of the hunting trip. But right, you know how that goes. It's like getting back to the hotel or the camp. In this case, it was the camp. Camp, But even as in like a camp camper, we had the trailer out. And you were on the elk hunt last year, and you know how it is. We get back late. You end up by the time you get, you know, you end up walking fucking fucking twenty twenty five kilometers in a day, and you get back late. You have just enough time to like eat some food. And go to bed so you can get up at a retarded time the next morning. Were you getting up early to? to oh yeah, sun sunrise was that yeah, your so sunrise we, picture or something? Yeah, we had to be, we had to be in the hunting zone, or we wanted to be in the hunting zone like a half an hour before, half an hour twenty minutes before first light, and we were about fifteen minutes from the hunting spots. So minute walk from the hunting, like what do you mean? Is well, this fifteen minute drive zone? from like, the campsite. Because we had a decent campsite. You're not allowed to camp where we hunt. So we had a little campsite in... Uh, oh, I see. Down in the Cooley and Dorothy, Alberta, out past Drumheller. And okay. it had, like... It was great. It was free. I don't know. Or maybe I stole it. I don't know. But I walked around. I could not find any place to pay. 
there was an old registration thing, but I was like, there was nowhere to put like money in or anything or use a credit card or email transfer. And this place had power, showers on the river. The shower's a little sketchy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, water, power. So it's great. I mean, we didn't spend any time there, you know, and like it was free. Yours. Well, I didn't pay. So it seemed well, free. Before, before we move on to my friend, I was just talking to my best friend from my old best friend from uh, high school. And he's out here, like where he works on uh, some of the power lines. So he's traveling all over BC and I think Alberta a little bit. And he says camping, camping's costing him like in some of these places. He goes just seventy five bucks a night. Oh yeah, it's getting ridiculous. What the fuck? So I found an old sign that said thirty bucks a night, but there was no way to pay. There was nobody there. And my thought is that it's so like infrequent of a place to camp. Like you know, it's not like a place where a lot of people are camping. Even on a long weekend? No, there was like three trailers there, and I'm wow. guessing they were all hunting in some capacity. Some hunting for something, you know, a bunch of seasons open. So I'm thinking maybe the town pays for it. I don't know. Anyway, I didn't pay. If I owe someone money, they can get a hold of me. I'm happy to pay, you know, the three nights or whatever it was. Was it three nights? Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Yeah, three nights. So we get up at 4.30 and uh, Holy. and head out so that we could be on site by like... On site as in like in this weird... 20 minutes away. Out in the prairies. Yeah. I, out we in have, the prairies in a special hunting zone or... Well, yeah. Let's call it that. Well, sure. I, well, I it's just where, I, where I'm hunting antelope. And we can call it that because I'm not going to tell people where it is, especially no, no, not no, on no. the podcast. Uh, no, no. But I'm asking, is it like a specific... Like you're in a specific zone... Legally, like you have to be. Well, in you can hunt legally. anywhere in Alberta. You can hunt on any unoccupied crown land or private land with permission. Oh, okay, okay. So, but you want for antelope, you want uncultivated prairie, native prairie, okay. like it looked like a thousand years ago. Okay, okay, yeah. So that was about a twenty-minute drive from the camp, and then you'd want to walk in before, because you can start shooting shit a half an hour before the sun rises, which is six fifteen-ish. Sunrise is 6.45, so you can start shooting. It's bright enough that you can legally shoot at 6.15. And we wanted like a half an hour to walk in from the truck before that. So we were up at 4.30 and get back to camp. The problem with bow season is it gets it's still summer in a lot of ways. So you mean Technically like fall, but like the hot. fucking... I mean, yeah, well, days, it was 34 degrees up. on Saturday. On Sunday, sorry. Yeah, and uh, and it's bright to like, I think the sun sets at eight fifteen. Yeah. So the day is like, dude, from six. So we're le- walking out of the, the truck like six ish, yeah, and you're back yeah. to the truck at nine ish. Yeah. And then you're back to camp. Yeah. So you know it's long, tiring days. I think I walked about sixty two kilometers. Wow. Over the course of the four days, and I got my chance. I seen a ton of antelope. A ton. Like, we were seeing antelope all the time, playing with them. You know, they're kind of horny. They're getting to the point where they're almost horny enough to make decisions that will ruin their lives. Um, because that's what that's how you get them, right? Like, you try and shoot an antelope with a bow and arrow, it's a pretty tough thing to do because they're super skittish. But when they get horny and in the rut, which is now, now until around the end of September, they'll get hornier and hornier. And these well, things... So what what, do do? what happens, dude? No, dude. I'm just walking up to it, and they're they've got weird eyes, right? So they've got these weird, like magnetized, magnifying eyes. 
So they see things a little weird. They're a little like bug-eyed, I guess. I don't know. I'm not an antelope or an antelope expert. But I could just walk up to these motherfuckers. If you can find a buck by himself, he'll start like barking at you. He's like, yeah, yeah. And it's because he either wants to fight you or fuck you. And so I'd just like bend over and I put my hat down, bend it over. And like some of them would just run away and some of them would just start coming closer. And they'd stop and they'd be like, bark at you again. And like, what's he doing? How far, how far are you? How far well, I, 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 I had probably four or five inside a hundred yards. And so then I only had one. Like a football field <laughs> anywhere, right? Like yeah. And I won't shoot past 50. So I only had one inside. So I had one at 40. Towards you at oh, yeah. They were all, they were, if they were interested, you, the only way you get them inside 100 is if they're interested. So they're curious about you in some way. And that only happens when they're rotten because those things are only fucking like, you know, for like three weeks of the whole year. That's it. The whole shebang happens wow. in the next like couple of weeks. And there's only so many lady antelopes around. So they're horny and desperate. And you go out there. And I'm telling you, the next time I go, I might go next Sunday. We'll see. I'm going to wear a white hat and a brown shirt instead of my camo. Because I'm going to play this up. I'm going to play the role of an antelope. Oh my God. Because I was just like, so I'm going forward with my bow and I'm dipping my head down. And then I'll stop and I'll go down to one knee and I'll just sit there with my hat down over my eyes, just kind of barely looking. And then I'll kind of look and I'll bark at you. And maybe he'll run away, but then maybe he'll come a little closer. Come a little closer. So I got one to come all the way to 40 yards. And uh, I have my bow cranked out as high as I'll go because I plan on hunting elk with it. But I didn't consider that uh, shooting the antelope in the prairie, there's nothing to hide behind. So it's all well and good. This thing thinks I'm an antelope. Or it doesn't know what I am, but it thinks there's a chance that it might be able to fuck me. So it comes up and it's 40 yards away and I'm like, holy fuck. And I'm like panicking and my adrenaline's up and my heart's going a mile a minute. And I'm like, so I'm like, my bow's like sitting on the ground sort of in front of me. And my thought is if I can pull this thing back on the ground in front of me, then I could sort of rock it up, keeping it all inside the plane of my body. Yeah, You yeah, know, because exactly. as soon as you start Until going outside your, your, mm -hmm. um, I don't know He's what the word see would some be. Some weird thing, yeah. And at the periphery, he'll see you. Yeah, because well, he can only sort of see your like outline with the sun behind you. So you're like your silhouette, and it thinks you're an antelope. But as soon as until, this fucking bow and arrow starts going thing, out yeah. for me to pull it out, then it's like you know. And I'm like, okay, so I'll pull my bow out on the ground in front of me like that, and I'll roll it up in front of me. But the bow is set to seventy five pounds, <laughs> and I can't do that. So you can hardly do it standing up because it's hard right? to pull I mean, back. Yeah. Cause for distance up, and so. power for big animals to go through bones and stuff, but I don't need it that high for animal. So I'm going to dial it back this week. So, so what happened? Like, explain what happened. So you tried, so to I do tried to do that and I couldn't, and I'm like, just... fuck. So then I had to like start bringing it up and to crank it back. And as soon as I started doing that, he fucking bolted. He sensed that? He saw He that saw me. He saw yeah. me because I can't fucking do the whole thing and inside my silhouette. My arm has to come outside. Yeah. It's the only way because I'm using my whole back muscle to pull that yeah. thing back. So I'm going to um, – it would have been fine if I had a blind maybe, but I don't want to bother. I think I can just go and these things are just going to get ruddier for the next few weeks. 
So I think I can literally just go bait this fucking thing in or one of them in. Is there any danger if it does like try to fuck you? Well, hopefully I've shot it by then. I mean, what if you're just fumbling? It's very small. Then I'll tackle it. I'll tackle it. Just I'm go down like that. Just fucking I mean, then you just it. put the bow down and, and withdraw your knife. I don't quick think draw, it'll come. Quick to draw that. your knife. I don't think they're that silly. Who knows? But I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna take the so bow down to like a, to maybe 58 pounds, and then I could do it in front of me buck? just like that. Yeah, I'm hunting a buck. That's okay. Not a female? Like you can't. No, you can, but I don't want to. Okay, so it's 58. The pounds. females are getting pregnant either way. Some bucks are going to find all the females and get them pregnant in the spring. So if you take a female out, it kind of takes out of the population. Where if you take out bucks, it doesn't really affect it. Couldn't you have your arrow, because it's a compound, can't you have it kind of like drawn before you go through that whole thing? It's still 20 pounds, dude. You can't, I mean, you're talking about like 40 minutes of playing this thing in. Oh, is that, whoa, that long, dude? Oh my God. It's a fucking play. Dude, when we tried to sneak up on the herd, it was a half day. A whole half day, like, fucking crawling <laughs> and sneaking. Because there's, like, 80 of them in the herd. A whole half yeah, day. You, yeah. Seven hours. I, dude, I fell asleep. Because we're like, okay, we're on the ground. And Eric's watching. I'm like, <clears throat> he's like, he woke me. He's like, hey, okay, wake up. Because <laughs> you're just lying on the ground. This is why I'm covered in bug bites everywhere. Because you're just literally lying on the ground. Because you don't want them to see a move. As soon as you move, you're fucked. So we spent half a day sneaking up. And we get to like 80 yards and this one fucking animal just looks over, sees you. There they all go a whole half day. Oh, the whole hurt. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause there's so many weird hills in those prairies. You can sneak up. You You can can sneak in and around them. Yeah. But you're better off. The only way you're getting them with that bow and arrow, as far as I'm concerned, at least with my range ability of 40 yards or 50 yards is to fool them in, trick them in. I got to do this during the run. And they're so I got fast, a much. Right? Like they're fucking the fastest her, animal right? in North America. <laughs> and they're small. They're pretty too. Um, so I'll get them. I got till the end of the month. So I have plenty of time. The sun's still pretty long. But, you know, I actually went back to the elk hunt last year and we walked pretty much the same amount, dude. Because I walked like 62 kilometers over the four days and the elk hunt was only two days. And we did like 54. Wow. And we drug an elk back each day, too. Yeah. So the last, like, six or seven kilometers of that is with uh, a bunch of meat, carrying that shit yeah. up the coulee and multiple Plus, trees. after COVID, too. I mean, oh my, especially with long COVID, it was a disaster. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go with the long COVID again. It was a fun trip. I'm excited. I'm going to get that. I'll get one. I'm going to get one. It was kind of... I wasn't sure how it was going to play out with these antelope, but now I'm like, okay, this is doable. This is doable. It really sounds like it's kind of more of a fun sort of. It's, it's a real way hunt. funner than it's the a rifle. Real the rifle's getting moment. boring, dude. The rifle's a harvest. I can just, you know, I mean, it's a trick to find them sometimes, but once you find them, you're getting them. Especially with my rifle, it shoots pretty far. You know, you just got like 300 yards. It's not. We've seen a moose. I've seen a moose. Two elk, a bunch of porcupines. Really? Yeah. And a bunch of jackrabbits. I tried to shoot a grouse with my bow and arrow and missed. I think that's about it. Oh, and I've seen some sea seti stuff. Did you lose your arrow? (gasps) I lost one arrow. 
What do you mean it's sea settings? If you can't just gloss well, over Well, I think it was like settings. satellites and stuff. Well, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's UFOs, maybe it's satellites, but we've seen stuff moving around. But get this. So the first night, it was the first night, uh, Friday night. And one of Eric's friends, um, my hunting buddy, Eric, one of his friends stopped by. And he's, we're looking at the sky and he just starts going off about UFOs and CSETI <laughs> and all this stuff you see all the time. And I'm just like, oh God, yeah, you'd love my buddy Graham. <laughs> you can't get a, but you can't I mean, get I can't deny it. that whenever you go up and look at those stars, you see stuff moving in all sorts of different directions. Yeah. And you always have. Cause I remember when I was a kid going up and we that was the thing we didn't have cell phones or fuck all so we'd actually go out to the cabin when i was a kid and we'd like spend time sitting up just looking at the stars and pointing out all the moving stuff and you don't think about it all the time but it's all moving in different fucking directions yeah and they say that nothing's really orbiting this motherfucker north to south oh really i think all the satellites go east to west but i also might have just made that up <laughs> So what did you see then? Just like fast walkers? Yeah, that's all I ever see. That's all I ever see is fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I, I don't see. Any a flashball. wobbling or any like right wobbling. angle turns? There was definitely stuff turning and, and stuff ups? like that for sure. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Buddy was mentioning the wobblers. <laughs> yeah. Did so. you mention flashbulbs or power ups or anything or streakers? Or? No. no. What's no. the difference between a streaker and a fast mover? Uh, a streaker is more look, looks like more like a shooting star. And a fast walker is just more like a... So it's, but it's not a shooting star? Well, I mean, I've seen some that you, you can't imagine them being shooting stars. I mean, I've seen one skipping, skipping horizontally across the whole sky. Super bright. Like, it's... There we go. <laughs> we had the new moon, dark sky, which is great. Had <laughs> a plan, camping, pitched a tent, went back there for the night. Crystal clear. Darkest night... So I had to read that meditation, did the singing bowl, and that shit starts happening. Pow, pow, pow. We started seeing flash bulbs. Streakers coming down. Grimmed on <laughs> I seen the Northern Lights too, but they weren't oh, great. Cool. It was it was like not as good as some of the pictures I seen because it was super smoky. Crazy smoky. Hmm. And hot. 35 fucking degrees in September seems hot. Well, it's hardly September. I mean, it's only the 4th, probably, when it was hot. Well, 4th, it was hot on the 4th. It was weird how it drops. The temperature dropped. It got to its highest at 6 or 7 at night and then dropped 4 degrees. Very strange. Somebody said it was was a heat dome over Alberta. So now they're calling it a heat dome. A heat dome? Yeah. It was hot to be walking around. Yeah. I, speaking of that, I do have like a thing I wanted to share with you. Uh oh. Yeah, I did it on Instagram to the to Kate Bush's song "Cloud Busting." Oh my god! Did you see that? My kids what? are into some Kate Bush song that they played on Stranger Things. I don't well, think yeah, it's "Cloud Busting." It's too. brought it's back. Like, no, no, it's it's running up that hill. Yeah, that's her main it song. It's very yeah. cheesy. Oh, yeah, it's a fucking great song. It makes me cry. That song. What? No. Very what did you say? Jesusy. Jeez. Well, I mean. Just because she says Jesus doesn't mean it's Jesus-y. I mean, well, it just, just comes across to me as like Jesus-y. Yeah, it's pretty emotional, dude. Because I remember that song from '85, man. I remember cloud the cloud busting video four. from '85, like that. I think it was '85 or '86. How old were you? All the mid '80s, like 15? Were, were 16, 15, 16. I mean, I was I was like my prime teenage years. Huh. Learning about cloud busting. 
I mean, how how relevant is that? How now? do you go from that to being an alcoholic? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> like you're on such a good trajectory. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lost it all somehow. I was like an alcoholic right out of the gate, pretty much. You know, like in my town, you looked forward to drinking. Age. Oh yeah, it was like Dude, a thing. So did we, of course, so did we. It was a competition. It was a competitive thing for me in a lot of ways, and then it just got out of control. Yeah. Anyways, goes. I mean, you don't, I, I don't think you're an alcoholic. I mean, I don't think you crossed that line. I think a lot of, a lot of my friends, they just, they just sort of stopped when they got older. Like you kind of just stopped. I just kept going until I hit the bottom. So I don't know, something weird. Well, I'm glad you're back. But this is, uh, this is, a. so anyways, it's on the, on the Instagram. I, I have to say that I love the post. It's pretty cool. What? <laughs> through, it scrolls through all the scientists that have signed oh. on this document. There's 1,100 scientists. About global warming bullshit? Yeah. So it's it's called the World Climate Declaration. There is no climate emergency. And it's from clintel.org. And it's basically, um, I'm going to read some stuff from it here. It says, there's no climate emergency. Climate science, science should be less political, while climate policies should be more scientific. Scientists should openly address uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming, while politicians should dispassionately count the real costs as well as the imagined benefits of their policy measures. So there's a bunch of things here. It says natural as well as anthropogenic factors cause warming. Warming is far slower than predicted. And then this it goes into like just a small paragraph uh, explaining these. Climate policy relies on inadequate models. CO2 is plant food, the basis of all life on Earth. These are just the headings, right? Global warming is not increased natural disasters. Climate policy must respect scientific and economic realities. So then it just gets into their advice. Our advice to the European leaders is that science should strive for a significantly better understanding of the climate system, while politics should focus on minimizing potential climate damage by prioritizing adaptation strategies based on proven and affordable technologies. So to believe the outcome of a climate model is to believe what the model makers have put in. This is precisely the problem of today's climate discussion to which climate models are central. Climate science has degenerated into a discussion based on beliefs, not on sound self-critical science. Should not we free ourselves from the naive belief of the immature climate models and then there's a bunch of these guys signed, so the undersigned, and it's a list of uh, professors and scientists from all over Europe and Canada, actually. And then it gets into the total signatures of 1,100. And this is always going up as it is, but, you know, this, unlike unlike the other bullshit stuff you hear from the mainstream narrative, where, where you look at their scientists and there's like Mickey Mouse and all that in there, <laughs> I think these are real scientists. Is that the 33,000 or whatever? That Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, this is like really 1,100, 1,100. And it's from all over the world, Australia, uh, all over Europe, South Africa, South America, Canada. So I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, but it's good to see people pushing back because it, this is just going to keep ramping up and, and we got to try and just slow this fucking train down a little bit. Totes. What else you got? I got a quote from a book that we got in the mail from our buddy. Which buddy? Um, Chance Blake Blakelock. Was he in Canada? Fishing. F- he was no. right. No. no. What? Was he Canadian? He's 
No, I think he's or Oregonian. Or he was. Oregonian, yeah, that's right. I think he moves to Idaho. Or Is something. that the Red Book? Or, yeah. What the hell? It's the profound quote of the week. I bet you I can guess. Oh, no, it's not going to be him. Never mind. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Okay. Um, I'm I'm just going to... I'm just going to plug this book. It's called Fishing for Thoughts and Catching Dreams, A Chance for Anarchy, a compilation of quotes to lead you to an awakened state. So this one is, is the wise man not selfish in forgetting the happiness of the people? The wise man knows that the words, the happiness of the people have no meaning. Happiness is internal and individual. It can only be produced within oneself. Confucius. (laughs) Confucius. <laughs> that really, I'll give you like a four to five for that guess, but it's Han Reiner. Ah, weren't they like um, brothers? No, I don't think so. But there is, um, from another let me, mother. Let me do, here's another one here. There are, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. <laughs> I use the quote fool me once all the time. Yeah, who's that one from? Ayn Rand. Soren Kierkegaard. I don't know who that is. I've heard the name before. I've heard him. It's a him? I think so, yeah. Huh. I would have thought her, but I believe A lot you. of good, there's some, like, Dostoevsky stuff in here. Caesar. Ooh, what's the Dostoevsky one? Aristotle, Epic, Epictetus. Um, the best way to keep a prisoner from escaping is to make sure he never knows he's in prison. Bum, 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 bum. You support the show, guys. Go to America.ca slash support. If you're getting some value from our little podcast here, I think this is episode 564 now. Whole back catalog's there for free. It's all there, every episode for free. You can pile into it all. 10 years of content, nine and a half. If you add some value, maybe to commute, to your day job, to your workout, wherever you choose to listen to the show, maybe you're listening at work. Hey, we're at work with you. Or America.ca slash support. Make a monthly uh, donation if you can. You can sign up anywhere from a buck a month. You can choose any amount. Everything helps. Or, of course, you can do a one-time donation as well, and that helps out. Or you can head over to GrandAmericaOutlaw.ca. Check out our other podcast over there. It gets a little more controversial. And there's a subscription model with that show that also helps support us. We have the... Uh, audiobook stuff going on over at adultbrain.ca. And we have a couple of great trips coming up right away here. I think we're like down to two weeks away, two weeks from t- today. The first Scablands trip with Vinyl Carlson and uh, Ben and Brad. Brad Young uh, is Randall's partner, of course. And Ben from Uncharted X and Russ is there for week one from the Snake Bros. And Everybody Loves Graham is there. Uh, is there anyone else there? Brandon Powell. Modern Day Shaman, Brandon Powell will be there doing his breath work and his Wim Hof training. There is a rumor that I will be making an appearance on the final day and the first day of week two, which is uh, coming up just that very next Monday. We have another Randall Carlson trip, except instead of Brandon Powell, this time it's going to be Dave Matheson doing Star Miss. Kyle from Brothers of the Serpent is going to be there as well. I might be there for the first day of that one. I'm trying to make it so I can go down and catch the last day of the other one, hanging with the team for the weekend. 
first day of the next one, and then come back. But I have a lot of travel coming up. It's going to be tricky. <laughs> yeah. It's a crazy fall. Anyway, if you want to get in on those trips, contact at thecabin.com. And we got a bunch of them there. Of course, the Magic event in Shasta is starting to fly off the shelves. The 420 event, people are starting to kick tires on. So all this stuff starts selling. Then it sells out, and everyone says, cries too late. So contact at thecabin.com if you want to get in on a trip. And if you want to join our chats, uh, it's grandamerica.ca slash chats. You got anything else? Yeah, I just got the bio for uh, Linda. The bio. That's about it. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, I'll save. I do have something else I want to talk to you about. Uh, on it? Something. Um, I don't even want to tell you You should about do it before it. the bio. You don't want to tell me about it? Well, because I want it to be a sort of a question that I can ask Darren. Let's, let, can well, we do it? It's just two, right it's just two minutes. It's just All two right. minutes, yeah. So, I have to answer a bunch Linda. of other questions do, later. I'm going on 13 I'll, questions tonight. I'll do Lindo's bio. I'll do Linda's bio. Before we um, do that? Doesn't it make more sense to do the bio after? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said, I thought. Okay, go. I'm confused now. So do you think um, Canada, the medical system in Canada, or maybe it's Alberta. Oh, Actually, I think it's Alberta. Let's use Alberta. Okay. Um, do they measure, uh, will they measure your vitamin D levels through blood work? No. You know that? Uh, no, I don't Did know that. that. I thought I was just supposed to be uh, like just ask. I was just supposed to give I, my answer. I, I don't. Know. My I, honest I answer is know. I don't know. Oh well, how did you know? No, though. I just guessed. I mean, I know it's the government because you knew it was a weird question. So I was talking to the doctor, and she wanted me to get blood work done because it's been since 2017. So I'm, and then she gets all pissed off at me because I want other. Res- I'm like, well, what can, if you're going to do that? Then can you can you? Are you going to test for my magnesium levels and my zinc? And what about vitamin D? And she's like, we don't do vitamin D levels in Alberta. Something I think she blamed Kenny or something. I'm like, well, what do you what do you mean? And she's like, well, we live in the north. Um, it's it's just known that you're supposed to take. It's recommended from us that you're supposed to take. And I was so shocked by her answer that I didn't even catch the daily dose that you're supposed to take. But I think it was two thousand IU's of vitamin D every day. We're supposed to take every day. So I don't know where this message is, how this message is supposed to officially get to everybody. So they're supposed to, because we live in Canada, she said, you're supposed to take vitamin D every day and they won't measure it. So I'm like, isn't that kind of an important measurement? Especially with all, I mean, I didn't get into like, you know, they just need you healthy enough to pay taxes, bro. But is that isn't that a bit of a weird thing to you? So she and then she got all like no because upset because like well you didn't even want your blood work and I'm like well yeah but if you're gonna do it you might as well do my zinc and my magnesium levels and stuff and and she's welcome to socialism dude bare minimum like everybody gets bare minimum and why can't so we're not gonna measure vitamin T because everybody's low is that what it is now no and they don't have they don't have a pharma fix for vitamin D so you're just supposed to know through some sort of weird. No, they just Some don't care if you're healthy. You're supposed it's to take not it all that confusing. Long. They just don't give a fuck. Or, or I mean, I know that's obviously where I would rather go with it. It seems more to make more common sense that they just fucking don't care that we're not. You got to go pay the know. naturopath to do it. Yeah. Dude, all the success I've had with me and Maria in the medical system has been outside the system. 
It's, yeah. it's just gross. It's the system gross. sucks. It's like naturopath. Yeah. Calling a, a doctor, a specialist in the States, which was actually a great experience to get actual information about her condition. And people, but now we have to pass on to her doctor, which I don't know if I told you or not. Her one doctor in Saskatchewan will not address, will not do it. Will not even, will not even go there at all. They won't even entertain that. And he said, this doctor in the States, the specialist said, we, I will talk to any of your doctors in Canada about this because he's got the condition himself. And these doctors don't know enough about this. They don't even want to look into it. This is how messed up the system is. There's one more doctor that she's going to see that might actually listen to her and say, this is what this doctor's recommending because he has this condition. Can you please help? I hope and if not, can. then we're then we're completely fucked, right? Because then we can't get any of the things that are supposed to help that we need to get through the system. Yeah, it's, it's a real crazy. clusterfuck. Mm. It's a problem. It's a real problem, you know. But what you can do? Yeah, no, you got to just go that to the naturopath where you can, and I guess just try and stay as healthy you can. But I don't trust them. Or you know, I trust them less and less the older I get. Yeah, exactly. And then they'll just put you on a pill if they can. That'll be the fix. Well, that's what I was, that's kind of what I was getting at is, I mean, the vit so they're just telling you to take vitamin D supplements every day, which is great if they're, if they're actually doing that. But I mean, you think people know that they're supposed to do that? No. I, well, maybe I kind of know that, but I don't. So, but you, you know that, you know that from our show, from us, like looking into stuff, not from the doctor telling you, but I don't go to the doctor. Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. you know. So, anyways, this is a fun chat with Linda. Like, Linda gets into Darren's dreams and all this kind of stuff. And we do talk about two like, dreams, two the difference dreams. between like nightmares and attacks and stuff. And it's, it's, she's got a really interesting perspective on it. And she's done all kinds of healing modalities. So, she is uh, Linda Yale Schiller, MSW, LICSW, is a body, mind, and spiritual psychotherapist. This is from her website, ptsdreams.com author, consultant, and international speaker. She's been working in the fields of dream work and trauma treatment for 40 years. Trained in a number of integrated trauma treatment modalities, she teaches and consults on trauma treatment, PTSD, and nightmares. Her original work in understanding layers of a dream through the Kabbalah-based approach and her nightmare protocol of the Gaia method, the guided active imagination approach, are articulated in her book, uh, Linda also developed original theory on relation, re, yeah, relational group work as a professor at Boston University and has authored Modern Dream Work, the workbook integrated and comprehensive treatment of trauma. And she's also written numerous articles and book chapters and been featured on multiple radio shows and podcasts, of course. Uh, she's a dancer, loves traveling, historical novels and science fantasy, um, born in Buffalo, and she lived in Israel, moved to Boston. Uh, <clears throat> she's available for professional cons consultation as well, workshops and training and for community events to offer dream work with individuals, small and large groups. She also offers hospital grand rounds, spiritual retreats, adult education, guest lectures and corporate functions, nightmare and trauma healing and dream work education and active exploration at each event will be tailored to the needs of intended groups whether clinical, spiritual, team building, or social. So, yeah, we talk about dream circles a lot, too. Seems uh, like a cool way to, to do this. A dream like circle? A, yeah. What's that? 
like a, almost like a recovery group in a way, right? Like you oh. support each other through going over your dreams. And all Not that. like a dream catcher. No. No, that's my kind of dream circle. Yeah. Is that all you got? That's it. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed our lazy rounds, and be more than that, we hope you enjoy the chat with uh, Miss Schiller. Linda, welcome to Great America. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have an interesting chat on on your book, PTS Dreams. You spent decades of of, of work um, leading up to this. Do you want to just give us a quick quick uh, rundown of your background and how it led up to this this book? Sure. Um, so I am a psychotherapist, and I have been working in the field of trauma treatment for close to 40 years. And along the way, in addition to doing trauma treatment, I became interested in and fascinated by dream work as well. So I've studied dream work. I've been in my own dream circle. I've been leading dream circles. And I had another book that came out a couple of years ago called Modern Dream Work that was really basically about uh, working with dreams from a psycho-spiritual perspective. And... I wasn't actually planning to write PTS Dreams quite so soon um, after the first book, which is just a little over two years ago. But the state of the world sort of prompted me to say, you know, I've got something to say here and, and I don't think I should wait. So it ended up being my pandemic project. You know, some people bake bread. Some people, um, I don't know, learn to knit. I wrote another book. Nice. Um, so that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> I love how on your website you have your your psychotherapist for the soul. Uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Right? Do you, what's a dream circle? A dream circle is basically a group of people who get together to um, understand and work on their dreams together. And sometimes it's a, a lay group, meaning there's no one who is a leader. Everyone is sort of peers in the group. And then there are other dream circles where I or someone like me who facilitates the group helps to hold the space and to create the safety to do the work and helps guide people in doing a lot of different types of dream work. So what does um, does this involve lucid dreaming as well and and uh, other kinds of sort of dream journaling to learn how to remember your dreams, all that kind of stuff? Well, we could go in many, many different directions. And the best way to remember your dreams for starters is to want to. 
like anything else, if we have a, an intention and a desire, we're much more likely to manifest that than if we don't. So that's sort of on one foot, step one. The second thing to remember your dreams, if you're serious about it, is really to get a dream journal and to use it um, and write things down as much as you can. And we can talk more about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then just the last part of your question, lucid dreaming is a whole sort of additional category, which your readers or your listeners, I guess, <laughs> um, may or may not know means being aware that you're dreaming while you're asleep. So it's like a, like a meta or super consciousness that you're dreaming while you're actually asleep. And that's sort of a subcategory of dreaming. Um, so they're all sort of different. They're all sort of different things. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I guess the, the part that I found interesting um, in researching your book and reading your book and stuff was how, how many other modalities, like we've talked about on the show, like we talked about lucid dreaming and EMDR and, mm -hmm. um, and EFT all this stuff, even the Kabbalah and all this as mm. well, which you included all this stuff in your book, which is, it's interesting to me that you incorporated these different modalities into dream work mm. as well. So, I mean, I don't know if we should start getting into details uh, yet before maybe giving us a, maybe a, 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 a broader view of the book maybe, and then we can dig into it or like what, how this differs from your other book on uh, dreams, for example. Sure. Well, the first book um, incorporated what I'd call my embodied psycho-spiritual perspective. So looking at a dream through multiple modalities. So I'm not like a one-size-fits-all. I'm not strictly Jungian and I'm not strictly Gestalt and I know, a little, I know about Freud, but there's multiple, multiple modalities in working. And both as a therapist and as a dream worker, we have information that comes through to us from our bodies, our minds, our souls, from possibly other worlds, depending on your belief system, from a divine source. So I don't rule out any options or any ways of working. So I incorporate in both my dream work and my specifically in this book, the work with nightmares, getting information and, and um, avenues for healing from our wisdom of our body, as well as our mind and our spirit. So both in dream work that is not nightmares. And then in nightmares, we want to use all the modalities possible to uh, get to the healing and the work that I do, because I'm an EMDR trained therapist, and I'm also trained in a lot of other energy psychology, like TAT, EFT, um, a lot of other um, energy therapies, I use a lot of the principles that I know from EMDR and other energy psychology in this form of healing nightmare work. Right on. So, I mean, nightmares are a big, big problem, big topic. Um, you have a lot of nightmares, Graham. The other no, day I, I dreamed that I left the dog at the studio <laughs> for like a month. And I was like, oh, shit, that dog's probably dead. The kids are not going to be happy. Maybe I'll bribe them with a new dog. The interesting thing is I don't have a dog or a studio. So... <laughs> Well, you have a studio. I mean, well, you, the studio's in my basement. It'd be hard to lock a dog down here. You know what I mean? In this, in this dream, the studio is a separate building, and I just said, "Let's." I remember I was just driving along, and I was like, "Oh shit, that dog's been at the studio for a month." And mm. you know, so what do you think that means? I was just going to ask you if you. I was just going to ask you if you wanted I, me to I do to have a horse that doesn't live here. Obviously, it lives. Uh, it's stable at another place, and maybe it has something to do with the horse. Or what do you think? 
Wait, you have a horse, did you say? Yes. Oh, well, that's wonderful. So there's a well, lot. Well, my of kids have ways. a horse. My kids have, it's not really my horse. They're lucky kids. Yeah, they're lucky. I think there's... every kid wants a horse. So your kids are lucky. They actually have, the, they have their dream come true, right? <laughs> they have a horse. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of ways to understand dreams. And for starters, what differentiates a dream from a nightmare is what we call the emotional narrative. Right? Every dream has a storyline. There's like, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Every dream has a setting. It happened in this place, happened in this time. These characters are in the dream. So that's all the elements of a story, like any good book. What makes it a difference between a dream and a nightmare is what we call the emotional narrative of the dream. I wasn't too so, worried about it. I didn't like wake up in a panic or anything. But I remember waking up and thinking about the dog for a second. And I was like, you don't have a fucking dog, man. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we're good. The interesting thing is I don't dream a lot It's because I smoke a lot of weed. So I think that's why, anyway, that's what they tell me. But um, if I do dream, I usually don't remember it. I do, like, have little fleeting things here and there, but I definitely don't remember my dreams. But this one I did remember for a little while after. I I even remembered it enough, like, days later to bring it up here. So there are a number of elements. I don't know how much you want to talk about this. And, and oh, yeah, dig in, dig in, you know, rip it apart. All right. Let's, uh, You're ready? Yeah, your here, we, here go. we go. Yep, yep. <laughs> so first of all, it's not a terrible nightmare because you didn't wake up in a panic. So it was a different kind of dream for you. And there was something compelling about it because what made it different is that, A, you remembered it. And you say you don't usually remember your dreams. And then B, not only did you remember it, you remembered it for several days. And three, it was important enough for you to tell me about it on a show about dreams and nightmares. So these are already three elements that we go, hmm, this is interesting. This is different than the norm. So that's one of the things that makes us sit up and pay attention to a dream. Whoa, why did this dream come? What is it about? What is the dream trying to tell me or ask of me? Okay, so we're going to ask that question. You don't have to answer it because this is your radio show. But there's a number of things you can think about. So you don't have a dog. So the literal, like what we'd call the, the, the shot or the simple, the surface layer of the dream is, this is not a dream about your real life because you don't have a dog. So then we have to go down to some of the deeper layers. So what does it mean that this animal that is a dog in your dream, you locked up, you forgot, you, you left in the studio. I'm Oh, boy. Is there something there? there No, no. I could just see where this is going. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So I would ask you, there are two different lines of questions that I might start with. And again, you don't have to answer. Nothing's out of bounds. You can ask me anything you want. The one would be is I'm from Mars and I don't know what a dog is. What's a dog? So tell me, what is a dog to you? It's a little animal that relies on me for everything. Okay. All right. So the little animal that relies on you for everything, you forgot at the studio or you purposely left them there or how did that happen in your dream? I don't remember that part. Okay. I don't remember that part. Yeah. Okay. So one common way of doing dream work is to think about the dream or the nightmare from what we call a gestalt perspective, which means every character, every person, every being in the dream is some aspect of yourself. So I might ask you, 
what is the little being part of you that relies on you for everything? What is the young or small part of you that relies on the grown-up you that you've kind of put away or forgotten about or accidentally locked up? Or finally that may killed. need to be unlocked and taken care of. Or maybe I finally killed it. Maybe. Huh. I would hope not. But oh, I didn't dream, want to kill it in this? It's did. not a good thing? Well, I didn't ever make it back to check, but it was not <laughs> looking good. It was not it's, looking good. It's a month without food. Was there any food in there at I all? Was, I remember in the dream thinking, like, There's is there some place that could have found nap. some water? Maybe it's been eating some mice. It's not looking good. I remember very vividly thinking, I don't see how this thing survived this long, but we're going to go see. So there's something that's been neglected for a really long time and you're, it's been neglected for so long and not fed that you're not sure whether it's even survived. So that's where we, the dream ended. The beautiful thing about dream work is that's where you woke up, but it isn't necessarily where the dream ends. Like this is one of the techniques oh, I use to work with dreams, right? So you can go back into the dream and dream it forward. You can continue it. And continue to create the ending that is optimal for you. Oh, so I don't have to deal with the dead dog. Hopefully, I could dream it to be alive somehow. It found. Well, yeah, but it might be like you said. It might. It might. It might be supposed to be dead. You know, that might have been a a part of you that you needed to let go of. Was that after you turned single recently, Darren? Or I didn't know we were talking about that, but uh, (laughs) yes. I said that to her and not to you. And so what we just did here is we did a little dream circle because you had information that I didn't have. And the two of us together are now associating the Darren's green. I was just so thinking I, of something know you know, that's impacted his life recently that, you know, that, that's a big change for, for yeah. a man. So. Yeah. So it could be either way, and we don't know yet. It could be this is some part of you that you do need to put away and let go of. Some seems like a bad way to do it, though. You know what but, I mean? Yeah, it's not such that's a great a pretty, way. Like, so yeah. you could continue. If that's true, <laughs> you could still dream it forward and find a different way to release yourself of the care of this dog without locking it up without food and water for a month. Yeesh. Or depending on. <laughs> But I've already done that in the dream. Yeah, but no, but you can dream can it I forward rewind and redo too? it. Can you I can rewind? Just rewind it and yeah. Dream it forward is rewind. I'm confused. Dream it forward is is not rewind, but it's okay. pick up where the dream where you woke up. Can I rewind so I didn't leave the dog for a month though? Yes, if oh, you can great. do that too. Great. Okay. You can rewind and say you're driving away from the studio. Just for example, I'm driving away from the studio, and you say, "Oh shit, I left my dog there," and you immediately half an hour later turn around and get it, and it's fine. I'm going to go for that. I'm going to try for that. Yeah. Okay. It's your dream. So you're in charge. Or maybe you realize, oh, you left the door open and there's tons of food there. So he had the. That's um, great, Graham. That, the, see, dogs away. the dogs run away. The dogs run away to a better life. <laughs> Depending on who and what the dog is. I guess I got to figure that out first. That your job. Interesting. Exactly. I have, no, all right. I can get, I can figure that out maybe. So then are all these dreams or are my dreams ever just a dream or is there always something? Well, you're talking to a dream worker. Yeah. So I would say they're always something. They're not always profound. They're not always what Jung would call big dreams. Yeah. There's different levels, right? Exactly. There are different levels. There are different layers of meaning. Some dreams are, 
you know what? I dreamt about pizza last night and up, oh, lo and behold, I had pizza for dinner. Okay. That's why I dreamt about pizza five. Okay. And then you can still take it deeper and deeper, even if that's the surface level of the dream or we can, you know, unpack why of all the food in the world that you ate yesterday, did you dream about the pizza and not about the, you know, the tuna fish sandwich you had for lunch. Um, so some dreams are kind of simple dreams, but most dreams, if, if you want, if you want to unpack them and, and, peel the layers off there's something there that's interesting or informative or a, a message for you or some kind of healing particularly in the scary nightmares okay so well, get this if, i've got okay. one dream in my whole life that has stuck with me not as, not right. as, like stuck with me like it haunts me or anything like that but at the time it was a little spooky i wouldn't call it like a nightmare Mm-hmm. But it was a little spooky, and, and at the time, it had stuck with me for a little bit. Where I was like, "Oof, that was that was weird." Mm. But it was like very subtle. I was just, and I can still to this day. And it's probably been forty. It's probably been thirty-five years. Ah, maybe not that long. Thirty for sure. Thirty-three ish. So I remember I could tell you the exact trail you know, how to get there from where I was living at that time. It was this trail in the woods, you know, not in the middle of the woods. Are you telling, are you telling us the dream now? Yeah. Yeah. It's just okay. like, like, you know, maybe a hundred feet from the edge of town. And I'm walking down this trail that I've walked down, you know, a hundred times. We used to play back there all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't see anything or hear anything. I just hear a crazy growl. And then I wake up. Mm. And this fucking dream I've never forgotten it. It's the only dream in my entire life that I've never forgotten. And it's probably been, you know, over 30 years. Wow. And that's Did it. You have, do, do you want me to talk with you about this? Sure. Dream? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Because okay. I'm it not fun. sure, you know, what the format is exactly for you guys. This so. is pretty much it. We just do stuff like this and ask okay. questions around it. <laughs> okay. So, um, how old were you when you had the dream? I would say somewhere between eight and 11. Okay. So you were a kid. I was a kid. Yes. I was a little All kid. Right. Yeah. So this is a childhood dream that's really stuck with you. Yes. And I could still hear the growl. It was so, so the, the most profound sort of what we call in, in dream work, the CI or the central image in the dream in your case was this growl. Yes. A hundred percent. Okay. And do you have any sense as you think back, what kind of an uh, animal or being was making the growl? No, no. I would say like a bear or wolf, you know, it seemed like something that would be coming out of the woods is what I've always assumed. Yeah. Right. And so this was a real place where you grew up at a real trail in the woods and used to go play out there with friends when you were little. Yeah. Probably still there. Yeah. And it's really stuck with you. What are the emotions in this dream? Come back to the If anything, narrative. I would say fear or shock, fear and shock. Oh, like that fear. would be the only, you know, it, it fucked with me for a little bit. It doesn't fuck with me anymore, but for a while I remember it was like unsettling, unsettling. Now it's just like this weird dream I had a while ago. It's not unsettling anymore. At least it doesn't feel like it is, but it, it's left. never gone away. Right. So there's and maybe something- as the dog I left. 
Wow. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? They went back in time and bit me when I was eight. <laughs> did you ever get bit by an animal when you were I eight? I did get bit by a dog. I have a scar still from the stitches I got, and I was probably like, that was probably when I was like, oof, four. Ish. My mom's going to text me all the correct info, but it was probably when I was around four, I think. I got yeah. bit by the dog four or five, and then the dream was, you know, four or five years after that. Wow. The dream would have been after 92, actually, because I remember that I was living in that house. So I was probably 12. When you had the dream? Yeah. Okay. So I imagine, though I have to ask you, I don't want to superimpose my association but i imagine being bit by a dog would be kind of traumatic and kind of painful yeah it was pretty fucked up i don't really remember because i was a little kid i remember like going to pet the dog and then i was like and then i was like i remember in the hospital getting the stitches where they used to stick that needle in your arm and they'd have to like freeze it and i've always hated that that's like the worst thing i've got a lot of stitches in my life and I always hate getting that freezing needle. I don't think they still do it like that anymore, but it's always, remember it used to be so long and they like. So I would say that in addition to whatever else, and depending on if we want to keep going with the stream or not, at least one thing is that you've got some medical, so, uh, you have a traumatic event that happened in your life. You went to pet a dog that you thought was going to be a friendly dog because you went to pet it and it turned on you and it, you it's it shocked you and then it hurt and you're probably terrified when it bit you i can't imagine anyone wouldn't be so so there's that's part a right there's this antecedent there's this event that happened in your life because we're just chatting i've never put those two things together before that's great well you free associated you you told me about that out of the blue i didn't ask you about it it just came up for you so it's connected in your, what we just did, or not we, but what you just did, is you allowed your unconscious to surface and connect with your conscious so that in this moment, in this waking world, you made a connection that you hadn't made before, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. So there may be other things too. And a question I would ask next, so in addition to having a, a, a friendly or possibly beloved, I don't know if this was a pet or No, a no, it wasn't. Dog. This is a stranger dog that was okay. like walking down the street and was like, check out our dog. He's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so you, there was, you, you had a trust back then of, of strangers and strange dogs. Yeah, my is mom that- was there too. So sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> My mom was there too, and she was petting the dog, and she was like, "Go ahead and pet the dog." Oh, so she wow, she's oh. complicit. <laughs> and this dog kind of betrayed that trust by turning on you. Yes, for whatever reason, who knows? Maybe accidentally patted it the wrong way, or the dog just got tired of being patted, or you know, we'll never know. But it was a trauma for you, and it stayed with you because then after that. You had to go to the hospital and you had stitches and you had needles. So it compounded. It got bigger and bigger. And then after that, you still hate stitches and needles and things like that. A medical trauma. I like dogs, though. Good. So you didn't blame the dog. I like my mom, too. I love her. Well, <laughs> you don't blame her either. No. So who do I blame on? Well, I haven't had the dream again. You Yourself, because maybe you actually went in there with a weird like intention or you meant maybe to like pinched him. grab the dog by I the neck and pinch it and it knew it knew that you were going in for like a 
not a true pet. You were trying to trick it or something. And sometimes I was a little kid, bro. What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sometimes it's nobody's fault. Nobody, it's, it's nobody's fault. There's no one to blame. Do you think he has it, medical trauma too then? Or? Well, I think what? it's what we'd call a, sort of a compounded. It, it was a one-time incident, right? You got bit by this dog that was friendly first to your mom and then friendly to you. And then it was a bad enough bite that you had to go to the hospital and get this kind of traumatic medical treatment that you still remember with. Still have a scar. You still have the scar to prove yeah. it. And then I don't know why you had the dream at 12, right? So there's another question that we don't have to answer, but you can think about it. Um, so you got bit by the dog at age four. So if I was doing dream work with you, if we were doing a dream circle, I would wonder with you, so what was going on in your life at age 12 that somehow had some resonance or somehow reminded you in some way of that original traumatic experience with the dog? Ooh. Could be something that had nothing to do with dogs. Could be. Yeah. We're not going to get into all of that right now. That's right. But yeah, that, there was, there could have been, there's, there's a bit of a mess back then for a little while. So. Okay. Can I, so can there I were jump growls, in? right? There were growls in your life at age 12. Yeah, probably. Okay. Is there a chance he was precogging, like a hunting? Uh... Let's not talk about me getting eaten by a bear. It's like three <laughs> weeks till hunting season, and I have a handgun that I'm going to bring with me. So what we don't want to do is turn this into an on-air therapy session. So we're going <laughs> to let you be, Darren, with whatever you know about what happened, was going on in your life at age 12, for you to put the pieces together with the four-year-old trauma and the stuff going on at 12 and the fact that this dream has stayed with you all these years. So I'd say, what is it about those two things, the dog biting you at four and then whatever's going on at 12 that somehow got blended together in your psyche and you haven't quite shaken. I'm not asking you to tell us, but that's the, that's the work, right? That's the dream work. How do I heal? How do I get past whatever this shit is, whatever this stuff is that was going on. So it doesn't keep growling at me. Great. That's awesome. So how do you, uh, some nightmares, so you, it's all emotionally based. So like if I, ha- what if I have a nightmare about something really evil, but I'm not scared? Well, that's a really interesting question. So. Is that not a nightmare? It, I'm thinking. A yeah, really yeah, no, question. no, that's, that's okay. Because I also have, like, I don't really get scared in dreams at all. Like I, the most uncomfortable I get is like, I had a dream the other night where we're at, we do these events and we're at an event and, and, and the, and the Airbnb that we went into and started settling into the whole group of people was the wrong one. And I didn't have the address for the right one. And I was trying to figure out, okay, how, how do I get this address for the right one before we get too settled into this wrong one? And we can move everybody over without looking really awkward, mm-hmm. but you know, it still wasn't that much of a nightmare. It was annoying and kind of, but it wasn't mm-hmm. a super weird nightmare, but, but the other ones where I, like I, would bump up against um, like a super evil uh, creature, like a demon lord kind of thing. But I was never scared. I just knew that um, I could take care of it. So that's not really a nightmare then, is it? Correct. Whatever the evil demon creature was that you bumped up against in your dreams, 
one of any number of different possibilities or, or several of these could have been going after you. One is you talked before about lucid dreaming. Maybe you were lucid and maybe you said, oh, I'm having a dream. Yeah. And once you can do that, you're not scared anymore because you've identified that this is a dream. Right. Does, so that, that, does that happen automatically when you come lucid? Do you not? Do you lose your fear all the time or do you have to consciously acknowledge the loss of fear? Depends on who you are and what you're dreaming about and what's going on in your life. So lucid dreaming, sometimes you simply say, oh, I'm having a dream, but you're still scared, but you're not as scared as you would right. be yeah, if yeah. you thought it was really happening. Because yeah. you go, oh, yeah. this is a dream, so I've already got a little bit of distance here. Right? Yeah. But in your case, whether or not you were lucid, you bump up against an evil creature, like a demon or something, but you're not afraid. So I would say that you may have bumped up against someone who was there to give you some kind of knowledge or information or a gift who came could disguised. I add, can I just as, add a little context that I think could yeah. be important? He plays sure. Dungeons and Dragons like three <laughs> nights a week. Uh, okay. <laughs> so here we are in our little dream circle again. So now, right, you know, fair fair turn, fair play. He, he got your back, Graham. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. So for you, bumping up against a demon is part of a game. Mm. And if you do it right, you, you get ahead and you get points and you kill the bad guys and you win the game. I don't know if you win in Dungeons and Dragons, but. Not really, no. But. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. It's the lamest game ever. There's no winning. There's no matches. There's no... I haven't played, I've, I, but, you know, from the perimeter I can see the peripherals. I can see it seems lame, but Graham loves it. So, and you know, I'm going to get in trouble for even shitting on D and D because it turns out that like 80% of the audience is into it too. So can I ask a question of you guys? Yeah, of course. What is Gramerica? Well, where, where does the name come from? And, and the fact that 80% of your audience listens, plays D&D. Well, I don't, I don't know, know if it's actually 80%, but it's a lot more than you think. With the first, whenever we have a meetup, people are talking about playing weird card games and Magic the Gathering or whatever's going on. Oh, yeah. But, oh, it's this magical, spooky. Yeah, it's probably more to do with the content. The name was, well, my last name is Grimes. Oh. And uh, it, my buddy Jerry, shout out to Jerry. We we were playing poker years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago. And uh and he wrote he just wrote Grimerica. Well, won, no, won. I won the poker tournament and uh and he wrote Grimerica wins on the poker table. Oh. And then it became my uh online poker star's name for a while. Oh boy. Like your handle, huh? Yeah. And then it became my Twitter handle. And then when Graham and I started the podcast, I already had like 500 followers. So we were like, well, we could just use this. <laughs> so that's what we did. <laughs> well, thank you for answering that question. Cause I was trying to figure out if it meant something, but it does, but nothing that anyone who wasn't, you would know. It's terrible for SEO, but at the same time, you can just tell people to punch Grimerica into the search engine and everything we've ever done will pop up. And there's probably not a lot of Grimericas that pop up besides you. Exactly. Yeah, you would so own like the first that, 50 pages yeah. of Google if yeah. you type Grimerica. Yeah. So it works out kind of that way. 
But no one accidentally finds us, you know? They're not, like, right. searching for grammarica stuff. And, like, yeah. whereas if we were called, like, I don't know. Expanded the, perspectives or, or something Or the conspiracy like this or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So – is it good that I that I don't really get scared in dreams? Then I mean, is that like, or is nightmares, or is nightmares, or is it good to have scary nightmares to to be able to work on stuff? What? Like, or or should I just be satisfied that I don't have to deal with them? Do well, most know, people I've have never nightmares? Met a person, I'm sorry. What? Well, I just does. Do most people have bad dreams? Like I. No. Oh, okay. Good. I was wondering if like, I, I don't know what the percentages are, um, but what I was going to say is. I don't know anyone who says, oh, darn, I wish I had more nightmares. You know, no one Well, really welcome says to Graham Erica and Graham. <laughs> no, 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 I didn't know. I know. No, I'm asking, like, whether, like, it, it, whether it's an important part of working on your stuff, if you have nightmares to deal with it. Like, you know, what if, what if, uh, you know, I'm missing out opportunities to work on stuff? That's a really good question. And what I'd say is the dreams come from deep parts of yourself. So the deep parts of yourself seem to be pretty cool with whatever stuff you've gone through that you've kind of got a pretty good handle on it and you're working through and you're dealing with whatever it is in your waking life. So you don't have to deal with it in your sleeping life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was hoping you'd say. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So let's keep on the nightmare thing, because what about people that have like literal demonic attacks or shadow man attacks? Like, Terror, night terrors, you know, where they wake up, they're frozen, they can't, and they, and they have the entities in the room, like the serious, the serious stuff, you know. Okay, um, so I'm going to break that question down and start with the developmental piece. There's a period of time in the life, you know, growing up for kids when it's just normal to have nightmares. It doesn't mean that anything deep, dark, and terrible has happened in their life, or there's any big trauma or any big upset, but. You know, when you're a little person and everybody else is big, you don't have much power, much control in your life. So having nightmares is sort of par for the course for some kids because everybody else is in charge instead of them. So in latency age, like, you know, from really four or five to like 10 or 11, some kids just have nightmares because they're kind of coming to terms with the fact that everybody else who's bigger than them has power and they don't. So let's, that's a separate thing. Then in adolescence, another developmental piece is people are, you know, we're coming into our own where we got one foot in childhood, one foot in the adult world. And some people have more power than us. And some people don't have more power than us. And there's a lot of searching out, like, who am I? What's my identity? So when people are going through a search for who am I and what's my identity, Often there can be nightmares, and that's a combination of sort of a developmental stage and dealing with struggles. I don't know. I I, I say partially kiddingly, but partially really seriously. I think every teenager should at least have a short course of therapy. Um, I think every parent would be really happy if their teenager had some therapy because adolescence is a tough time for most young people. And in the world we live in today with, you know, both public trauma and, and violence and climate change and war, and it's really hard to grow up. So we, we take in things from the outside world as well as things that happen in our personal lives. And they, and we struggle with them. We, we, it's, it's the epic battle um, that we play in all of those 
games, right? The shadow games and the D and D and the war games and the online battle games that those, those things that we're dealing with in our life, they show up in our dreams too. And then the last piece of answering the question, I mean, I can go on, but I'll, I'll stop after that for a minute is when you've had one or more traumatic events in your life that have not been resolved. And some people growing up have years and years and years of traumatic events. Kids who grow up in abusive homes, in substance abusing homes, parents who've left, um, growing up in a war theater, and it's years and years and years of trauma. And that stays in our body, mind, and spirit until we do the healing work to resolve it, to move on, to be able to figure out a way to transform it from the things that happened in the past that aren't necessarily happening in real life anymore, but in our minds, they're still happening. So when we do that work around getting things organized in a timeline, that, that's just a little piece of it, saying, okay, this stuff happened, but it's not happening now, so I can heal, I can relax, I can move on in my life. Then the nightmares start to change. And that's some of the stories in the book that I told yeah, you. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. And there's and there's also some sort of therapy and, and awareness throughout that process, right? To to start you, you mentioned in the book about how you know you can start dreaming like the they night they change, they they lose a bit of their their grip or something, right? Right. So a lot of times people will ask, like, how do I know if I've resolved my nightmare? Or how do I know if I've resolved the traumatic events that generated or caused the nightmare in the first place? So there's a couple different ways to answer. One is that um, the distress in the dream goes way down, right? Like when you go to the doctor's office and you rate, your doc says, like, how big is the pain? Zero to yeah. 10. And you say, oh, my God, it's a, it's a seven and a half. It's, a, it's almost a nine. It really hurts. And then when you're feeling better, it's like, okay, it's a little bit hurting. It's a two or a three. It's not quite gone. And then some days say, wow, it's, it's only a scar. It doesn't hurt anymore. Right? I still remember it. I have a scar. That doesn't hurt anymore. Then that's a zero right, on the distress scale. And in the therapy world and in energy psychology, we call it the SUDS, which stands for subjective unit of distress. So when your SUDS in the dream goes down from a high eight or a nine down to a two or a one or even a zero, that's one sign. Oh, you've really worked that through. You've really resolved it. So that's one Two is that the dream starts to shift and change, just like we were talking, Darren, about your dream, when the ending starts to change, when the bad thing that you were left with on waking isn't the bad thing anymore. When something else happens, it starts to there starts to be some kind of resource or way out or new direction right inside that nightmare. That's another sign that things are shifting. And then the third sign is start to have dreams about other things that are pleasant or fun or easy and you don't have the bad nightmare dream anymore. So even, even if people think they've sort of resolved these issues in the past, they've been, they've had traumatic events when they were kids, they think they've resolved them, but if they're still having these nightmares now and then they're probably still, they've still got some leftover trauma there. You think that's usually it ties back to the trauma. What often happens, I've got a plane going overhead right now. I hope you can still hear yeah, me. That's okay. Yeah. Um, often there'd be some kind of a trigger. If you haven't had the dreams in a while or they yeah, only yeah. show up once in a while and then all of a sudden they're back or they've you know, reoccurred, 
it could be that there's something in your current life that's triggering the memory of the things that happened before. It's almost like if you're fishing, right? And you, and you, and you get hooked, right? It hooks you back. Yeah. So yeah. It, what, what if it's a metaphysical trigger though? And what if it's not under your control? Like what if it's a real attack, but people think it's a dream only? Like, do you ever meaning, have to deal with that? Like if. Like if, meaning if someone sort of feels or is they're like possessed by an evil spirit kind of thing. Uh, not not possessed, exorcist. but attacked. Okay. So. I would say, depending on their belief system, their spiritual beliefs, their philosophy, if it feels like they're being attacked, they're being attacked. I'm not going to argue with someone yeah, yeah, about yeah. whether yeah. it's true or not, yeah. because I respect whatever their feelings and their belief system is. So then our first order of business is, let's get you some protection. Right. Let's get you some protection before you go to sleep how to get protection while you're sleeping and how to get protection after you wake up and you work with the dream. And that's part of the, the Gaia method that I outlined in the book, which yeah, is yeah. guided active imagination approach okay. where you really build in resources. If you're a chronic nightmare sufferer or have recurring bad dreams, you want to build in resources before you go to sleep at night. So you're more protected to start with. And then you get to work with in the dream. And then when you wake up, you get to continue to work with the entities or the sense of being attacked um, in the dream in what's called dream reentry, where once you've got your safety, your posse, your your guardian angel, your your bubble of light, your your um, invisibility cloak, your magic sword, whatever your people and items of protection are, once you've got them, then you can go back and confront the evil entity, whoever or whatever it is, and say, hey, let's have a conversation here. Who are you? Why are you here? What are you trying to tell me? What's going on? Is there something I'm supposed to know? It's sort of like you, you make friends with your monster. You make friends with your demon so that they don't pursue you with fear. Yeah, that's interesting. I really appreciate that answer. So, do, so is that? I guess that's. I mean, you wouldn't have said it if you don't think it's critical to the to the healing part of it. But do you have to? I guess there's a couple questions there. One is like, do you do you have to make friends with your monster? Like, what if that seems impossible that you could never like maybe not even get to loving the thing, but or the entity like true sort of trying to love it away. We've had people on that. I mean, they've had amazing astral battles <clears throat> and they, you know, for days upon end until they found love in their hearts. And that's how it ended up destroying the the monster. So right. there's that aspect of it. But even if it doesn't get to that level, just making friends with it, what if they can't do that? Or how do you or how do we decide if it's just a nightmare versus an attack? Is it just based on the person's perception or is there anything else that would say, hey, that's that's just a nightmare? It's going to be based on what's called felt sense. Okay. How do you feel in your body? Do you know what grokking is? Did you read Stranger in a Strange Land? Oh, geez, no. Um, I think I might have when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. Okay. So he could grok, and grok is like you just know it to be true. It, it's like intuition. It's you completely get it with your whole being. That's to grok something. So if you if someone groks that they're having a nightmare, that's what it is. If someone okay. groks. I'm being attacked by something. 
Okay, let's go with that. And sometimes you don't make friends with your master. Sometimes you just need to banish it. You need to send that back. You need to transform whatever the evil being is or send it back, send it to the light, um, send it down into the earth and and bury it, put a stick across on on the grave, whatever it is that's called for. Because some things you can tend and befriend, some you can forgive, some you can tolerate, and some you've got to just banish. And that's individual. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, is there is there stuff in the Kabbalah? Do you, I, I think you mentioned the Kabbalah in your in your work. Um, yeah. Did you get a lot of that from the Kabbalah? Or is, how do you incorporate that into your dream work? So a, a couple of different ways. Um, the, the the system that I used for looking at the layers of a dream, because a dream has more than one, potentially more than one meaning. There's the surface meaning, and then there's different layers of deeper meaning. I devised a format called the Pardes method, which is how we read the holy books when we're reading from a Kabbalistic perspective. So the in, it's called Pardes, and in the Hebrew, the P stands for Pshat, which means the simple surface layer. And the R stands for Remez, in Hebrew means, in English, the simple. Excuse me, I, I, I misspoke. It means the hinted at layer, where Remez is a hint. The D is from is from drosh or lidrosh, and to drosh lidrosh means to pursue or chase after. So that's the layer where you work with the dream. You look at the symbolism. You look at the metaphors. You look at the gestalt perspective. You do a lot of different work, and then the S in Hebrew is sod, which means the secret, the mystical, the transpersonal. So that's the layer where you connect with departed relatives, where you connect with um, divine beings, where you have healing, not only for yourself, but potentially for the world as well. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. So so that's one piece of of how I use Kabbalah. Um, And and what the word itself means, Kabbalah, means receiving. So it's received knowledge from uh, the the mystical book called the Zohar. And every major religion has a branch, a mystical branch associated with it that are connected. So in Judaism, it's the Kabbalah. In Christianity, it's Gnosticism. In Islam, it's Sufi. And often the mystical branches of the religions have more in common with each other than they sometimes do with their parent religion, because they're all sort of shamanic in some way. So that's some of the roots that I draw on for the the influence of Kabbalah in my work. When when you help somebody build protection for themselves, uh, you know, does that come from their own belief systems or or from, would you teach them part of what comes from the Kabbalah? I do both. So depending on what their belief system is. So I I had one man that I worked with some years ago who was a very sort of um, devout Christian practicer, but in in, in the best possible way. So we would often say, all right, what would Jesus say? Right. What would Jesus tell you here? And as soon as we asked, what would Jesus say? He'd get it. He'd say, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to understand. With other people, we invoke 
various angels, depending on their belief system. Um, a guardian angel and uh, Archangel Michael, there's, there's lots and lots of different angels and their names all mean something a little different. So if you needed healing, for example, I might invite you, if you wanted to, to bring the angel Raphael in because Raphael means the healer, the healer of God. Like rofe in Hebrew means doctor. So this is the healing angel. So if you need physical healing or emotional healing, I say, well, let's see whether or not, would, would you like to? I'm not going to tell you who's going to be your protection, but I'm going to ask you who, who you would like to bring in, who or what. And then I might offer some thoughts and ideas as well to see if they resonate with you. What about what about um, evoking the, like Jesus Christ, like in the name of Jesus, let me go, that kind of stuff, or... Um, I've heard from we've heard from many people that research this and our guests that have had these experiences where it works like the the name of Jesus seems to have this power, mm-hmm. whether you believe it or not, really. But it right. just seems to to have it. But it seems to dissipate over time as well. Well, just like any other practice, we have to keep practicing if we want to keep our our strength up. Right. You start out, you're going to lift five pound weights. And then if you get good at it, right, you're lifting 20, you're lifting 40, you're lifting 60. But if you stop and you take a half a year off, you're going to be back to five pound weights. You got to build up again. Right. So it's partially about what is the practice that you do. Um, And the other thing, when you talked about the, the power of names, is a very deep mystical shamanic power and magic and practice because names have meaning and power and there are many holy languages in the world and there are many holy beings associated with eastern religions with western religions with native religions with indigenous tribes and all of these beings have power and their name is powerful um that's where abracadabra comes from like you you might you're nodding you've heard this before yeah, yeah yeah Do you do you think I just have a really weird sort of a side question about this about this specific topic? If if a if a if a person isn't even real, and then this person was na- this divinity was named after it, and everybody believed in it and used that name anyways, does the power come from that collective belief, or even if the thing isn't real, or does it come from it? Or do you think it has uh, the name has more power if it's actually a real thing? Well, let me ask you, what do you mean by a real thing? Uh, Jesus as a real man, let's say, or a real divine uh, man. and if, Or just using Jesus as the example, or if he wasn't real, because so many people think he's real, is that the power? Is the power in the collective thought or in the, the thing itself? The answer is yes. <laughs> Either, both. both. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because by naming... Some something or someone we are creating. Right? That's the roots of abracadabra. When yeah. we that which we name, we have, we have created. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? In in the garden, they named the animals. They were given some power of creation. They're sharing this sort of divine power. So we know that our our feelings, our thoughts, and our words all have power, mm-hmm. and they have energy. They don't have as much physicality as mass, but they're still real, right? Einstein told us this. Quantum physics is telling us this today. 
When you look at something, right, the, um, the Heisenberg principle, right, the effect of the observer on the object or item that's being observed, that's crazy. That's like insane, but it's real. So where I would go would be, we don't know. We don't know what we would call real or what we wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it would depend on, on your belief systems and yeah. how you manifest yeah. them. We speak it into reality anyways, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it matters, right? The placebo effect, you know, shows that that matters at some level at a minimum. Yep. Yeah. You know, I catch myself and I annoy my young adult daughter all the time um, by speaking the thing that I want to be true. Rather than saying, I hope that or I wish that, I say... I am doing this. I'll just give you a tiny example. I recently was out in Tucson, Arizona for the IASD, the International Association for the Study of Dreams, their annual conference. It was so awesome. I would just invite all of your listeners to check out IASD. It's a wonderful, wonderful organization. So we got to meet for the first time live since COVID, and it was fabulous. And with all the cancellations and short staffing because of COVID, you know, flights have kind of been a shit show these days. You hear a lot of horror stories about flights being canceled and delayed and luggage lost and all that stuff. And I could very easily have spent a few weeks worrying about my flights to Tucson. But I just decided it's going to be fine. And every day I would tell my family and I would tell my friends and I would tell myself, yeah, it's going to be smooth. It's going to be fine. I'm not going to have any trouble. And you know what? I had to change planes both ways. I didn't get to take a direct flight. I had no trouble at all. Everything went completely smoothly. Did I make that happen? I don't know, but I'm giving myself at least a little credit for manifesting that because I kept thinking it all the time. And I annoy my daughter because she tends to go like to the negative sometimes. So I said, well, maybe you can say it this way. She's like, mom, don't therapize me. Do you, do you, do you, if you were to speak an affirmation about something that you wanted, would you say it as if you've already got it or that you're going to get it or that you want it? Because there's many different ways you could say that. But the most powerful way to make an affirmation, I believe, and I, this is from many different uh, studies that I've done in different areas of energy work, is you say it as if it's already happened and it's already true. Yeah. I already have perfect health. I already have a healthy relationship. I already have X, whatever it is that you want to manifest. Yeah. Yeah. I've even heard that you should even like demand it instead of begging for it. It's not exactly a demand as much as it is a statement of fact. Just I think that's what you're talking about, right, Darren? I mean, instead of saying, I want this or I will get this, it's I already have this. Yeah, kind of. I Yeah, kind of. I think in my sense, I'm still maybe dealing with an, some other entity and telling him that what he's going to do for me and why. Okay. I'm not sure I... Have a response to that. <laughs> I feel like it's important Neither to assert I. yourself like, with the creator as well. You need to be assertive. He doesn't want to listen. He's listening to fucking six billion people whine about all the shit they need. 
instead of saying, hey, man, I got to have this. Thanks, bro. Or sis. <laughs> right, right, right. He, she, they, it, whatever. Um, and always be grateful. But that's just my spin on things. I mean, to each their own. Well, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think that is one of the most powerful things. If we can find something, no matter how sort of down in the mouth we feel or how much we're struggling, if we can find something to remember to be grateful for and not only say, I want this, I need this, but say, thank you. I appreciate it. This is good. That's going to raise us up more than demanding or begging for things, I think. That's just my thought. Demanding was probably a bad word, I guess, maybe. Demanding comes uh, off like a little Assertive, petty. maybe. Right? Yeah, even, you know, just like uh, without... Um, uh, Questioning it at all. Yeah, without just being fucking weak about it, you know? Without yeah. just like, right. oh, I need to be a wishy-washy. Please, come on. You know? Right, you can be assertive. Nobody wants to help that guy. <laughs> absolutely be clear when i when people want to have a healing dream about x y or z or people have a question that they need answered what i invite them to do is what's called dream incubation and incubation means you spend a little time before you go to sleep it could be one minute it could be an hour you do a little journaling and you write a question that you want an answer to and i tell people be as clear and concrete as you possibly can about the question you're asking. So be assertive in your question. You'll be much more likely to get a dream that gives you an answer that you understand right away, as opposed to, gosh, I have no idea what this means, than if you had a vague, unformed question. So yes, you can be assertive with your dreaming self. Hmm. Can you give us some examples of how you get from PTSD to PTSG? Oh, sure. Clearly, I, and I so appreciate that you've you've read the book because <laughs> you're really going through it. Um, so PTSD is what I uh, made an acronym for post-traumatic spiritual growth. That's the PTSD. So sort of everything we've been talking about takes us on this journey. Um, one is if we have trauma in our lives, in our backgrounds. First of all, not everybody who has trauma develops PTSD. So it's not a given that if you've had difficult things happen in your life, you're going to have post-traumatic stress disorder. It's only if you haven't gotten healing, you haven't gotten support, you haven't been believed, you haven't gotten some kind of care around the time that it happened, that it can then go on to develop into a syndrome which is the, the, the disorder. But if you are carrying trauma that's unresolved, you start with believing that healing is possible. And if we're looking at dream work and doing work with nightmares, you find people to work with who can help guide you and share the journey with you. Because if there's a lot of nightmares and trauma in your life you don't have to do it alone right you don't have to do this journey by yourself and that's one of the hallmarks of someone developing ptsd is that they don't have someone there at least one someone if not a family or a or a group or a posse that helps them and holds them up and supports them while it's happening 
So find now that person or that group of people, whether it's a group of friends, whether it's your family, whether it's professional therapist, whether it's spiritual guidance, find people to take the journey with and then keep walking through and look for the bright moments and the healing spots because we see what we're looking for. Right. So if we're only looking for where we're in pain and where we're hurt and where it's not going our way, yeah. that's what we're going to see. Yeah. And that's that's how that that focusing that's the reason why focusing on the positive can work, you know, because you're looking for that positive more than the negative. But it, it, it's it still gets misconstrued that, you know, oh, you can't just think positive and positive things will happen. But it's because you start looking for it. Exactly. It's not about becoming a Pollyanna all of a sudden and saying, yeah. oh, yeah, the world is just rainbows yeah. and roses. But it's finding those little bright moments, those diamonds in the rubble. And, go, oh, instead of saying, gosh, this is a mess to say, oh, look, there's a diamond here. Yeah. And then a few days later, you say, wow, and here's a ruby. And then, look, here's the yellow brick road that's going to lead me out of the forest and take me to Oz. where I'm going to find more resources and more help on my journey. Hopefully it's not the gulag road. We've had enough of your your dream stuff, Linda. You're out of here. You're getting re-educated. Linda, this has been fantastic. An hour has flown by. Where can our listeners track down your stuff? Where can they get their books or your books? Are you on any social media or anything like that where they can follow you? We put it all in the show notes, but 90% of these people – won't go to the show notes, so we find it's always good to, to say it here as well. Thank you so much. So um, they can find me on Facebook, and they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm not really good on Twitter or um, Instagram. I, 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 think I, I think I have an Instagram account, but I forget to post on it. But the best way to find my work is to go to my websites. I have ptsdreams.com www.ptsdreams.com is a website that will tell you a lot of information about the book it'll list all the um, appearances that i've been having you guys are already listed up on my website so they can click on the show right from ptsdreams.com and they can get the book now from the publisher llewellyn worldwide press and of course you can get it on amazon um barnes and nobles you can get it um on bookshop bookshop.org which is an indie bookstore um conglomerate i guess that's not the right word for it's a it's an independent bookstore organization that affiliates with all the indie bookstores and um it's all available it's available now for pre-order and uh, it'll show up on your doorstep September 8th, which is the day that it gets published. And the previous book, Modern Dream Work, you can go on any of these sites and it'll show up in a few days at your house because that's been around for a couple of years. Right on. Well, I think this is important work tying in dreams with the trauma and nightmares with the trauma. I mean, so many people are stuck in, in bad dreams and uh, it's good to know there's sort of a way through this. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for the therapy session, Linda. I will uh, I'll be in touch if I need any further. Okay. And uh, we hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thank you so thanks, much, Linda. Sharon and Graham. Yeah. It was a pleasure thanks. talking to you guys. Bye-bye. Take care. And that was our chat with Linda Schiller. Schiller. Yeah. Linda Schiller. Wow, that flew by, man. Holy. That really did go by fast. 
Well, we spent about like a half an hour talking about my shit. So, you know. Yeah, that's why, I guess. That's good. Much time to talk about that. So, you know, maybe I solved my problems. It's all solved. Fixed. There you go. Big thanks to Linda for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks, guys, if you are one of the one percenters that choose to support our work here. I think there's 560-some episodes all there in the back catalog for free. You can go listen to them all. thousand hours of content. GrimAmerica.ca slash support. If the show is adding some value to your life, to your commute, to your work day, to your workout, wherever you're listening, head over to GrimAmerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly or make a one-time donation and let us know that what our work is valuable. Check out the chats, grammarica.ca slash chats, adultbrain.ca for all the audio books we've put together, almost 75 now, and contact at thecabin.com for tours and events. Anything else? Spam Graham? Yeah, send me emails, feedback. Uh, yeah. Graham at grammarica.com. Sightings, lucid dreams, nightmares. Trip reports. Trip reports. We haven't got a good trip report in a while. Someone should smoke a bunch of salvia and tell us what happens. It's a mission for you. Someone get back to us. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. As old as I am now